Hey, sports fans, welcome to Greg Medford Show. It's Greg. We're here in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks for showing up. We've had uh, a whole wide variety in the second season of shows uh, from state and local politics to uh, local business owners. We've had some gunfighters and tactical folks in, some business owners, some people from around the country. Um, today, our guest is running for Arizona State superintendent of public instruction now before you click away because you're like i don't want to hear about that i like guns and knives this actually affects this kind of stuff affects most of us more directly than just about anybody else we talk to if you hear national politicians talk about what can you do um after the trump letdown uh, uh, uh this last cycle everybody's like what do we do and you even hear you know you heard trump and you heard conservatives and you heard people saying Get involved, get involved at your local school board, get involved in your local, uh, what's going on with your education in your state. It is a place where you can push. It is a place where you can make a difference and it's a place where it really affects all of us so directly. So um, I was at a rodeo a few weeks back and uh, met our next guest, invited her to come on the show. I thought it would be a great place to sit and have a little bit of a deep dive. And for you guys who have kids or who are going to have kids, um, this is relevant, and uh, even if you're not, uh, you know, even if you're doing traditional roles in your family, and you're not primarily engaged in what's going on with the kids' second grade instruction, um, if your wife's kind of handling that, this is something where you guys can engage and talk and nudge when they have those parent-teacher nights, when they have those uh, school board nights where you can get in and and uh, and, and the. Uh, Parents can stand up and speak to a school board directly. We're going to talk about some topics today that are all germane uh, to your children's education and it is part of the big national debate going on in every state in the union. Um, you know, we just had a, a big upset. The Democrats had a big upset in Virginia as they got a new governor, and it was all on this uh, parents' rights, uh, and which has been so exacerbated by what happened in COVID the last couple of years. Um, and we've had a lot of layers of the stinky union uh, Marxist indoctrination that's been going on. We've had a lot of that bared open to all of us to see. And it's no wonder after our kids have been Zooming for the last two years that this is like a major topic everywhere because we all got a chance to look over the shoulder of our kids and see what's happening. And uh, I think for a lot of us, it's been shocking. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And without any further ado, uh, it's uh, Shiri Sapir. Thanks for being here, and uh, appreciate you. you coming on the show today. These people are so obnoxious. I always got to tell them to quiet down. <laughs> and they all listen all at once. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I see you got your little boy out there hanging out, playing with Legos while we're doing this. Yes. Uh, I always drug my kids around when I was doing my things when they were little, too. I know. I love it. It makes me feel a lot less guilty when I'm gone. How many kids do you have? I have three. All right. How have, old are they? I have a nine-year-old daughter, a seven-year-old son, and a three-year-old son. Okay. So you got the gamut. Obviously, uh, you don't have a New York accent. You're a uh, no. transplant here to Arizona. Where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Israel. Okay. And how long have you been here? Uh, 23 years almost. What were you doing over in Israel? Uh, just growing up, immigrated here, or I mean, yeah. what happened? 
Yeah, I came here after I served in the Israeli military, mm-hmm. um, which we'll have to do, I'm sure you yep, know. Yeah, compulsory. Yeah. 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 What'd you do in the Israeli military? I worked uh, with bereaved families, so my job was to help them with uh, logistical, financial, emotional needs. Uh, my unit was also um, negotiating, bringing back remains of missing soldiers. Okay. So, but I worked with the families, okay. which is why I decided to run for this office, because I feel that our families, our Arizona families, need help. We need our voices heard, and uh, we need somebody to help us get the best education and get our children's needs met, and it's just not what's happening right now. So... I was talking with my mom about it this morning, and we were talking about education, you know, from when she went to school back in the 1950s, when I went to school in the 1970s, and where it's at right now. And uh, the United States was kind of a, it was a beacon around the country in the 1930s, and the 1920s, and the 1940s for our egalitarian education. And uh, it was single schoolroom schoolhouses mm-hmm. with... Uh, people that didn't have licenses to teach who did that. And the whole world looked on that and said, wow, they don't test everybody in and everybody out and determine their future at second grade. Everybody gets this citizen-oriented education. And then something's happened in the last 50 years um, that's been this radical shift. And uh, I sense it. My daughter is a super high perform, you know, everybody thinks they've got, I have a really critical dad. Mm-hmm. My daughter is a very high performing potential. You know, she's talking about Oxford for economics. She's not playing around. And I mean, if I was half as intelligently focused as she was, mm-hmm. I'd have gone someplace. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it has been a struggle. She's really quite conservative. She's grown up in a really conservative way. And not because we're religious, but because I engage in politics and we talk accountability and politics and worldview all the time. It's like our hobby together. And she comes home from school weekly, scratching her head going, how does, how do you, why does my teacher say this about the free market? Why does my teacher say this about competition? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I've gotten her so far along through the system and she's a great critical thinker and if she and she disagrees with me all the time so it's not like she's a you know sure. daddy's little girl yes person and uh this independent free thinking i want this strong independent young woman to go out in the world and be a badass i didn't want right. her to be uh subject of a anyone else group think yeah well you're not going to find it in the educational systems that we have right now in in this country the problem is that and i speak to so many people around the state because this is a statewide office so i travel all the time mm-hmm. and people keep telling me they come to me after every meeting and they say sherry we sent our kids to colleges or university they went liberal and they won't speak to us anymore and it just it's heartbreaking and i just shocking. had this discussion with one of my friends that, who owns a company across the street mm-hmm. i think where you parked before you came in right over at powell and he said he had the same challenge mm-hmm. his daughter was a you know bark raving mad conservative and went off and came back a marxist yeah and we're all like and we pay all this money for this yes, we do it's insane yes we do so talk to me a little bit about um the, the elections in november obviously yes you're in the countdown who are you running against your republican primary right you're... so the primary is in august uh i have tom horn who used to be the superintendent and the attorney general he's running and also uh, representative michelle udall she's a representative from mesa um, the reason I decided to run is, or not stand behind them and just move on back to my happy life, is because I don't trust anyone that has been in the system in any capacity to do what they're supposed to do. 
um, without bashing my opponents, uh, you know, they have been there and they have done whatever they've done to get us to where we're at. It's let us, you know, it's where we've got, it's how we've gotten here. Yes, and there's just no two ways about it. And I think this election, and I tell people, I would have been extremely irrelevant two, three, four years ago if I said, hey, I'm coming. I, I have a real estate investment company. I'm a general contractor. I'm not a teacher. I, I'm not a politician. I would have been extremely irrelevant three, four, five years ago because the, the conversation wasn't about, oh my gosh, these yeah. are not education institutions or indoctrination institutions. But this is the conversation we have right now. And I know people, and I see it everywhere I go, people won't change. They want people from outside with innovative ideas, with fresh eyes to look at the the problems that we've had them running on for decades, the same problems, teachers pay, we don't get enough money to the classroom. All of these things they're saying, yet nothing has ever got fixed with these people in place. So I feel that we can make a difference uh, coming in because my only special interest is the kids. I don't, uh, the teachers unions cannot get to me. I'll never pick up the phone call, you know, their phone calls. So it's just about the kids. It's just about the parents of Arizona. So uh, whenever I've got somebody coming on the show, if they're not really tightly in my wheelhouse, um, I engage my brain for a little bit to make sure, sure I've got something relevant to be part of the conversation. Again, my mom and I were speaking before lunch today for a little while, and she was she uh, had gone to school to be a secondary teacher, and uh, after she was doing her internship, you know, you had to do a year of student instruction or whatever as part of the curriculum. She was so turned off by it, she bailed and went to the university system and, and taught Western Civ at UMass. Um, we were talking, and she was talking about some solutions she would propose. And uh, they were mechanical ideas on how to fix what she sees as some problems with instruction. And I kind of sat back and I hear all sorts of proposals. And so I'm going to, I'm going to frame the next few minutes of our discussion with my reaction to her. I said, you know, mom, those are all little stopgap measures. I said, the biggest problem we have is we're not letting the core principle of our country take place in this, in the classroom, which is accountability and the ability to change who you buy your service from. So I see school mobility absolutely straight up dollar for dollar. Every penny you put in your taxes go with your kid no matter where you go to school. I see that as the ultimate accountability. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious where you stand. I think there are millions of little solutions and I think they're all putting your finger in, the, uh, in a leaking dike right. trying to fix a, a, a bad system. Oh, absolutely. I feel like the way to make the system work is at the core of the system to tilt the wind in the favor of accountability and mobility because right. it's the core it's a cornerstone principle of america the ability to have the competing market of ideas and services be rejected right. or embraced by the marketplace but you'll never have accountability when by default these public schools receive all your taxpayers money why would they be accounted for so school choice because they have a monopoly Yes, they do. Right. So, absolutely. so are you a pro school choice? Oh, absolutely. That's my number one priority if I achieve nothing less. Because I tell people the only way for us, the only solution we have is school cho choice. Why? If you don't like critical race theory, if you don't like the sexualizing and grooming of your children in school, if you don't like the lack of academic achievement, if you don't like that your child cannot read, if you don't like that they talk to them about uh, being, uh, you know, atheists and not believing God. If any of these things don't fit what you want for your child, you should be able to take your money, 
and put it in whatever institution you feel aligned with your morals and values. Yeah. That's just the way it's going to, that's the only way to do it. And now the studies show for decades that wherever you have school choice, charter schools, private schools, you have a much better uh, performance in the district schools. It's just the way it is because, as you said, it's free market. Right. It just, you know, you're going to lose a customer, you're going to work harder. If you're going to get the customers by default, why would you try? So it's so weird. You know, I, I always am thinking about the interloper liberal that steps in to watch my show. Right. And I think about people who are engaged in the Second Amendment because they're gun dudes or veterans yeah. who watch my show, and this maybe isn't their primary lane of topic that they would sure. engage on. But it is exactly the same. It's the free marketplace of competing services and ideas. And if we lack a free market choice, what we get is communism. Right. We, we get some um, one-size-fits-all, big government solution that basically leaves a quarter of the population marginalized. And then we're stuck reacting to all the marginalized people. And all we do is water down everything else. Right. And now my kids... Um, you know, I'm pretty hard on them about knowing about history, reading, writing, and arithmetic fundamentals. They know way too much about cisgender, uh, uh, sexual, I, I, I think it's sexual mental illness. They know way too much about it and act like it's factual. Yeah, I, you know, I tell people that this started as, you know, I was upset with the superintendent, Kathy Hoffman, the Democrat that's in that office right now, when she shut down the schools and the masks and everything else. And that's what really made me, you know, get up and fight. I pulled my kids, put them in a private school, did the whole thing. Now, as I've evolved in the last year, honestly, it's a children rescue mission. This is about saving our children from perverted sexual content that's coming in front of them so loosely uh, this should not be a political, and really, for anybody who listens, this is not about politics. This is not about being a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Every decent human being, adult, responsible adult, should know that they should not engage in a conversation with a minor about sex and sexuality, period. There is no, we can negotiate this non-negotiable. Well, let me really... ask you some questions about that, okay? Sure. Because uh, the debate a lot of times is framed around this, and, and they call all of us who don't think you should talk to fourth graders about being transvestites. They think we're a bunch of zealot religious kook balls right. and uh i'm a pretty i was raised greek orthodox but i'm a very a religious i'm a non-practicing anything right i'm kind of more of a humanist libertarian okay um but i also am a i believe in science and childhood development stages that sure. have been observed and broken down and taught in in psychology and in, in psychiatry uh fields for you know decades now there, I don't see, I, I'm not uh, opposed to any alternate sexuality. Like, it's not for me, right. but I'm not opposed to it. Like, people are doing their own thing. I'm like, I kind of embrace the colors of the uh, feathers of America. Right. You know, uh, I uh, transvestites in Miami doing drag queen shows or what, that, I don't, that doesn't, I'm not like all viscerally freaked out by that. I'm sure. not 82 years old from a different generation. Right. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, teach his own. This is kind of funny. Let's watch. Right. You know, it's kind of fun. Got a little voyeuristic. I'm like, oh, what are they up to? Um, I'm not freaked out about my kids knowing it. They're going to find out about it in time. I just don't think fourth grade's the time for it. No, absolutely not. And that's the problem that the way that they're trying to win this is by using the LGBTQ. Uh, because that makes you defend yourself, right? If I speak out about this, and they will, you know, they will slam me about this. I know it's gonna, it's, it's coming. Right. 
um, I'm a homophobe, I'm whatever they're going to call me. Well, the only reason they can do it is because they're using the LGBTQ, because if any other heterosexual men would have come and tried to talk about this openly with other kids, he would be considered a pedophile and be locked up, as he should be. Right. So that's their Trojan horse, if you, if you may, you know, to get this into our schools. And we see it. And there's just, no, again, there's just, we can't talk about this and negotiate this. There's no, just no two ways about it. It's absolutely unacceptable. I don't care how you feel about this. Right. This is not about your feeling. Right. This is about it's, you it's entering It's also not pedophilia. about sexuality. It's not no. about sexuality. It's about, it's about protecting people at a formative phase in their life where we shouldn't be propagandizing them with, with our... It's, absolutely. I mean, we just had to pass a law last week that Governor Ducey signed to not, to prohibit um, sexual um, uh, surgeries to minors, you know, mutilation. Right. I mean, right. what are we in Iran? What, you, what are we doing? You can't buy cigarettes un no. under the age of, I think it's 21 here, right? I, I don't know. It's 18 or it's 21, 18 21, but they're fighting for right of a 12-year-old to mutilate yeah, to, their body. To which... mutilate their body and take hormone blockers that are, you know, this is irreversible damage, not to mention the mental uh, burden that this child should not go through. And we had to literally pass a law on this, I mean, wh what are we talking about? Wh when when was the conversation okay about mutilating mutilating little children in America? No, they've gone I off. Don't, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's gone it's off. It's extreme. It started with a couple summers of riots. The, the The press is complicit in this. They're the press has amplified this because they're blocking the negative to push an agenda that they're a part of, a party that they're a part of. And I'm sickened by the whole thing and it going on. You know, if you ask your average kid when was the Spanish-American War? If you ask your average American kid, when was uh, the Emancipation Proclamation? Don't they don't know. know those dates, but if you ask them what cisgender means and what the proper pronoun is for a male who identifies as a female but dresses as a man, they know those things. And I'm disgusted by it. I, mm -hmm. Not because I'm, the, the actual, you know, like what happened with Bruce Jenner. He was a right. grown-ass man who did a transition. And you know what? More power to you, man, uh, right. per person. More power to you. No problem. And and I think, uh, uh, I think the Jenner person would be absolutely, they'd probably be a gas with second graders and fourth graders right. trying to go through what they went through as a, you know, right. sixty-year-old person, it, it's 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 unfathomable. No, it isn't. And you know, the problem is, and the only way for us to win this for our children, and we must because they depend on us to do this, sure. is to you know the Democrats or the liberals. It's not even the Democrats. I think it's just it's a very very small percentage of very very powerful people with the media, with Disney we see right now, with all of this uh, you know government that. He shoved this down everybody's throat. This is not every. I don't think a lot of Democrats and independents feel this way. I it's don't think. I don't think most most LGBTQ people actually think this actually, way. Actually, I can tell you for a fact that I had many conversations with a lot of gay people who mm -hmm. are appalled by everything that's going on. They feel that it's actually going against them because it yes. lumps them up with things that they don't. They I, feel distorted. Listen, to some we extent. we all have gay people in our lives sure, i yeah. have gay people in my circle and i've said hey man this is, this is something you, what they're like oh my god this is ridiculous and you know we've had this desire for equality to get hijacked right you know we went from you know the the the, the whole movement was about not being tied to the bumper of a truck in texas and dragged to death right 
Really? Sure. Okay. It went from that. That's legitimate. <laughs> yeah, it's legit. You know, it, it, I remember that. I think that happened in the 1980s here in the U.S. And, uh, of course, not the norm. Absolutely crime. Not the norm. Aberrant. If we, if we shape society based off aberrant things, society gets kooky really fast. Mm -hmm. We have to prosecute aberrant behavior incarcerate it separate it from the rest of us mm -hmm. and have regular rules because we ought to find a way to live but we went from having that discussion which is totally reasonable sure you know a gay man should be able to walk down the street in houston texas and not be clubbed right a anywhere and uh, we went from that to uh gender identity in the first grade mm -hmm. you know hundreds and hundreds of years of bias against homosexuality clearly and there yeah. still is going to be bias against homosexuality. There's bias. Okay. Everybody's got bias. Yeah. We went from having discussion about safety in the world to that to this. Yes, it's bizarre. It's not bizarre. It's because they dominate the lexicon. You know, they who, who, tell who it, they who is the radical liberals left. You know, it's really, Marxist. It, it's Marxist. Of course, it is. And so what they've done is they've hijacked a totally reasonable yes. discussion. And that is why you should be offended, just like I am, when they make us feel as if we're antiquated. Or, yeah. you know, I feel, right. I, hey, I'm a modern woman. I have no problem right. with gay people. It's not, you know, right. it, it has nothing to do with what I think about gay marriage. It's about you're talking to my seven-year-old about if he feels like a boy or a girl, you want him to wear a dress. I don't want you to talk about my son doesn't have it in the realm of his thoughts. Yeah. Even why are you putting it into his head? Why are children going to school right now and are asked what's their dead name to drop their dead names, which are the names that their parents gave them. Yeah. And they have different name in school that the parents are unaware of. I would like to know if my son has a different name unbeknownst yeah. to me. Yeah. And it's not, you know, um, you know, it's not just a nickname, and that's what they're trying to say. Well, it's just a nickname. No, it's not a nickname. It's Jennifer becoming John. I would what like, it, what not it is, Jenny. It's they're stealing our. They're stealing your children. Yes, they they're are. stealing our children. I have one of my dear friends, longtime friend. His son goes to a Jewish school here in town, and uh, I grew up in Paradise Valley, so most of my old friends are Jewish. Okay. And uh, he is his son has come home and said he's gay, and. You know, we're, uh, you know, and he kind of told me like where well, we're having beers, he's like, oh, and I kind of found out. And and, he, and to his credit, he's like, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, you know, I just want to love him and I just want him to be happy. Of course, I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> he's he's in the first grade. He's in the second grade. He, nobody needs to be identifying what their sexuality is in the second grade. No. He just may be going through it. I mean, how sexually in in. in engaged are no, we this is their brainwash i'm telling you if you see the books exactly if right. you see the assignments right. if you see the surveys you have to understand the beauty about brainwashing you know we don't we, we um, we've all seen the kgb you know defector talking about yep. how how long it really takes to it's really just a couple months you can brainwash people's mm -hmm. minds let alone these little kids so when you subliminally always give them this information into their head through service through questions through the instruction in the classroom through Teachers, I mean, we. I just sent in a, a letter to the attorney general last week because we have a. I got a, an email from a principal in Deer Valley. Uh, somebody sent it to me. She was sending to her staff, uh, notifying them that uh, on April 22nd there's going to be a day of silence for LGBTQ. It's called Day of Visibility, and so uh, it's a district wide, and kids may come to the classroom and stay quiet. But not only that, she also wrote, you may expect some kids to have tape over their mouths. And I saw the email. What the hell is that about? 
that's about, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, f- free speech or lack thereof. I sent a letter to the Attorney General. I said, listen, there's multiple issues here. But number one, I don't know what, what adult sits in, in any room in front of a child that's going to be sitting six or seven hours with a tape over their mouth. And who told them to do this? This is not a student-led movement. This is an instruction from GLSEN, which is the, the Gay uh, Straight Alliance. Uh, it, it's a national political movement or you know, organization that send this, and they're doing it every year. And I told the Attorney General, you need to notify these districts, and it's district-wide. So just, you know, the state of Arizona, I mean, last year Scottsdale did that. We know about it, too. Um, But the beauty about this is that when I called the di- when I found the email and I called the district, I asked them, "Are you going to notify parents about this?" You know what they told me? No. I said, "Why?" They said, "Well, um, everybody knows about this." I said, "How people know about this? Well, it's on the calendar, like pizza day." I said, "This is not pizza day. You're talking about children coming to school to uh, show solidarity to LGBTQ. They don't even know what that means. They're so young, and even if they do." feel that so don't feel that way they're going to be afraid not to when to be quiet the, when is their veterans solidarity day they solidarity don't have that. day that does not when exist. is their american solidarity nope. day when is their uh, mom's solidarity day nope single moms right you know right yeah i, know. I mean a, ch- I, a brother that died to suicide day there's right. a lot of really bad things that happen to a lot of people that <laughs> yeah we how about lost solidarity. family members because yeah. there are a lot of kids who have lost family members in the last few years so it's just astounding what they're getting away with yes there's no accountability and you know they put i think we have a fear problem we have a, a nation of goddamn scaredy cats everybody who's been masked up and i don't care what their excuse is Bullshit. Scaredy cat. Why do we have a problem in the world right now? Why did Russia invade Ukraine? Because our leadership are a bunch of scaredy cat, mask-wearing, fear people. And so uh, the teachers are scaredy cat, mask-wearing, fear mongers. The administration is. Our government is. This is what we get. Right. How do we stop it? So two ways. Uh, two, well, there's many things we're going to do. But number one is going to be, as I said, school choice. Because once we um, break down some of this nonsense, you know, you're going, to, you're going to have parents that cannot right now afford taking their kids to a private school. Or they're going to be able to. It's going to open up, you know, it's going to open up the market for a lot of new schools because they're going to know every child has that $10,000 attached to him. Now we have customers we can bring in. So right now, just so, so people know, let me, let me frame that a little bit because only somebody who knows this fight knows what you're talking about. Right. Most people don't get it. So between your municipal taxes on your house, your property taxes, your um, state and your federal dollars that go towards each child in education, there's a package of money tied up for every kid in public school. And... Uh, the big argument going on nationwide is about whether those tax dollars belong to the school and the district or whether they are attached to the child. Here in Arizona, we're one of the leading states in the United States on charter school uh, freedoms and development. Accurate? Yes, but charter school is public school. It's It publicly is, funded. Right. But the, uh, the reason I'm saying, but it's not dollar for dollar. So when a kid leaves the public school system, your assigned district and goes to a charter school, which is a reassignment of public school money to these charter schools. They're still public schools. Um, when they do that, they don't get all that money. Right. They get a small fraction of it. Right. And so there's a leftist argument that, well, listen, you moved into this million-dollar neighborhood, and, and part of the value is the million-dollar the million education your kids get. So that requires infrastructure and great teachers and all of that. So the taxes you pay belong to your neighborhood or diminishes your neighborhood. 
total lies. But it's a lie because but we that's have their open, argument, though. But it, it's not right because we have open enrollment in Arizona. Right. So a kid from Paradise Valley can go to Scottsdale, but, can go to Peoria. But can in go a lot of else. states, they don't have open enrollment. A lot right. of states, they're locked in. So for everybody who's watching, that's the classic leftist argument for why your money is attached to your property right. and your school system and not your kid. The argument going on nationally in Arizona is really kind of spearheading this argument is that our the tax dollars in order to create accountability by the schools should be attached to the child and if a parent is able to be mobile with those tax dollars it's a quiet way of breaking the grip and the monopoly of teachers unions and so uh for everybody out there who's watches and is still stuck around for the conversation the ability to have your municipal your state and your federal tax dollars all go with your student it equates to somewhere between ten and fourteen thousand dollars. We're, we're going to average fourteen thousand this year. Okay, so fourteen thousand per student. So that means if there's ten kids in a class, there's hundred and forty thousand dollars of tax money that's been allocated for that class. Now, every classroom has got a facilities infrastructure baseline that's met because there's a cost for having the room, mm-hmm. and then it's got a teacher, and there's some cost there. But they're not seeing much of that hundred thousand dollars. No, so, it's not hundred because you have twenty or thirty kids in each classroom. So you're looking I know, it's at way more than three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars per classroom per year. There's a lot of money there. Yes. And uh, how do you, as uh, Arizona State Superintendent of Public Instruction, how do you uh, uh, affect the needle short of a bill that? absolutely freeze up dollar for dollar i mean we need a bill don't we yeah. we need a law we have we have you know we have esa which are the empowerment scholarship accounts um in arizona but only mm-hmm. ten thousand kids are on there so we're trying to expand it um yeah the person that's running and, against and just, me was blocking it as a republican and, and just so everybody knows that's not a tax burden that is money no. that's already paid it's already allocated we're talking about taking money that's allocated right now if a child if an arizona student like if i want to pull my daughter out of public or the assigned school district I'm in mean, and mm-hmm. send her to a Great Hearts Academy, she doesn't get that $14,000. No. She gets... They get about 90%, but they don't get any of the property tax either. And they don't get the federal tax unless it's a Title I school. So they uh-huh. really just have the state. So it's sitting heavy on the general fund for the state. So mo- so uh, of the 14000 how much is that? So, it's mobile. Uh, Half? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be about 90%. Uh, yeah, it's, go- it's going to come down to about 60% or something like that. Yeah. So 40% is held back in exceptions. Yes. And, and the ideal scenario would be 100% mobility. Absolutely. We have to. Now, you know, it's going to always be a challenge with the federal government, and we need to rely as less as we can on, on, the, go- and on, on the federal government. And listen, it's going to be a process because we've gotten here you know, decades in the making. It's not something we can change tomorrow. But if we expand ESA, if we expand, which are not vouchers, but they basically really do just give a lesser amount, but if, but enough amount for a lot of people to just be able to take their kids because some of the private schools are nine or 10,000. They're yeah. less than what you're going to be spending in the public school. So if we can do that, that's going to be number one um, to kind of relieve some of that. But because the federal money, you know, it comes with a lot of strings attached. Yeah, yeah. And that's why all the equity, diversity, and all these other things you see right now are in the schools. They are because they are paying, especially with the COVID money. It's all attached to propaganda and brainwashing. You were going to bring two things up. You were talking about uh, school choice. Mm-hmm. So the buzzword, whenever you hear this out there, you guys, it always gets boiled down in news talk to school choice. Right. But school choice is this loaded blend of federal, state, and municipal tax dollars that gets assigned to your child. And when we say school choice, it's about the ability to move your kids to different schools and have your dollars that you've paid go with them. 
that was the first thing that you were bringing up and then i want i wanted to kind of uh sure, touch on it yeah. The, what was the second thing? The second thing, you know, as far as how we're going to fix this, you were asking, is it's this is a cultural shift that we have to see happening. And a cultural shift is going to happen with the actual administrators and the actual teachers in the classroom. The problem for so many teachers is that they go to the teachers' colleges and AUASU, they get brainwashed. indoctrinated. Brainwashed. Exactly. By the time they get out of there, they, they stand no chance of knowing what it even means to be a good teacher because that's not what they learned. They did not learn to become a good teacher, to manage the classroom, to to be you know, an expert in any subject matter. So what was your so what is your two? Tell me what your two is. You're, so you're talking school choice is right number one yep. and number two is the cultural uh, change that we're gonna have to do and how do you do the cultural change? All right, so it starts from the top down, right? We have people have to understand in Arizona, school boards, school districts have its local control, right? So I cannot dictate to them what curriculum they're going to use. I cannot tell them any. I cannot tell them who to hire, who right. to fire. Uh, I could if so, okay. So it's it's so many so many levels, but we're going to have a task force for parents. If you have complained about a teacher. Uh, we're going to know about because we oversee the certification process for teachers. So we're going to be able to go in much quicker because right now nobody has any interest in that. And they're all, there's a protection plan from the teachers unions. We're going to go in and we're going to revoke licenses. I also am going to have a detox program for teachers. So when they get out of the colleges, before I give them the certification, they're going to spend three months with us in the Department of Education. We're going to go to the classroom with them with mentor teachers and see what they have learned. Let, what, what are they thinking they're going to be bringing into the classroom? Let me interrupt and touch on something you mentioned just a moment ago. If you talk about culture and you talk about teaching certificates, and this seems to be a, it's kind of a big blunt instrument and it is the way that the teachers unions and that class of teacher has made a gang out of itself mm -hmm. because oh y you have a phd in economics and you ran three companies and you retired at 46 and you want to give back to your community and teacher at your local high school you can't you're not qualified <laughs> you're not certified you have to do our certification right. process and then like my, my mom who's a subject matter expert steps in and is so disgusted right. by the teacher certification process she just won't eat shit for two years sure so she goes off it's disincentivizing how yeah. do we stop this crazy teaching certificate thing i actually think it's one of the great evils of the modern public school system so first of all as you know pub or, or you don't know but private schools and charter schools don't have to have licensed right. teachers right that's why they have and much they better teachers better. and they Absolutely. perform better so so I mean, that's why you see how, how you go back to school still, choice how do we still have this in the public because schools it's government okay. because it's government so uh to loosen the certification process is something that's on my agenda that's going to have to go through the legislature that's the legislature that's not something i will do but i will heavily advocate for that because i believe that as you just said Somebody who is very well versed in a subject matter should be able to come in front of our kids. Why not? Especially since I'm going to push for a lot of vocational career technical education is in high school. I want I want a plumber to come in front of my kids and teach them. I want you know people that actually know what they're talking about to come in front of our kids. So let me ask you something. Uh, we've got you know I'm in all likelihood I'm pretty friends with the next governor. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, are, do you, it would seem, if I were running for your position, I would be very connect, I would be very much working on my legislator network and my governor right now. And it would seem, there are a bunch of little things to nudge the needle, which you can do day one you take office. Right. Like, how do you, you know, we can put our thumb on the scale. Uh, but to really affect change, we need a piece of legislation. 
We need a magic, we need a really solidly thought out single piece of legislation so we can have a bloody knuckle fight one time while we've got conservatives or, or a Republican legislature and a Republican governor. Right. Well, I spoke with all the candidates. Together? Yeah, well, I spoke with all the candidates running for governor because we're all campaigning together. So, mm-hmm. And all of them, the ones that are, you know, the leading for uh, at least the three of them that I'm very close to uh, have have pledged to work with me on school choice. So that's not a problem. I'm coming. So I'm sure Matt's pro. Matt, I'm sure yeah, that Gaynor, Carrie, Carrie is Carrie pro Lake. and Steve is as well. Absolutely. All right, good. 100%. So I think I'm going to have a good partner with any of them. Uh, I'm getting, I'm just going to pull out uh, this week. Uh, I have endorsement from 12 legislatures that are working right now, um, different representatives and senators. So I've created a great coalition with a lot of people that I'm going to advocate and lobby to. So I, I know I'm going to have good partners uh, if they'll win. Do you have an idea on some uh, a piece of or maybe an existing piece of legislation that's gotten close once before and yes. could use some tweaking? Is there some stuff out there you could, you know, I always find if you've got something that got 90% of the way in there and had two people against it, finding a way to put pressure on those two to get them on board and running that thing through. Well, hopefully it they're not going to be there next year. Then the three that there was three Republicans that actually uh, objected expending ESAs to 600,000 more children that yeah. are on free and reduced lunch. As I said, one of them is running against me, Representative Udall. She's adamantly against school choice. That's why I'm running against her. So uh, so that, that that's going to surface up uh, as soon as we have, as soon as we know we have the House and the Senate next session and the governor. So I, I feel pretty comfortable. I think we're gonna we're gonna get school choice in my time pretty early. I, I I'm you know I'm pretty you know, but that's not that's that doesn't fix everything because again, a lot of people don't know about options, which is going to be our job to make sure people know. And a lot of people want to be in the areas, in their neighborhood, in the school that they've gone to before. So there's going to need to be some shifting and changing within the public school as well. Uh, Kathy Hoffman, the superintendent right now, started the uh, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion office. Uh, the first 24 hours I'm in office, that office is closed, right? Yeah. And so uh, these are the kind of changes that go- So you're not going to be able to get from me what they're getting right now. And if you go on the Department of Education website, I mean, your cortisol levels are going to go up. They go up for me every time I look at this stuff because it's all about equity, diversity, inclusion, uh, transgender, you know, um, cultural responsiveness, you, you know, all of these things. When you're going to go on the website, comes January 2023, you're not going to see any of these things from me. It's you, going to be gone. You know, the thing is, is it's that powerful. Those things are buzzwords for Marxism because yes. really what they are is it's a way to stop us from making our point. Right. You know, if you take your typical leftist idea and you run your leftist idea and it, even in front of a group of proclaimed liberals, right. If you separate them from one another and you run leftist ideas of equality against conservative ideas of equality, something like 85% of Americans choose conservative equality because it's about personal accountability uh, and and, um, a kind of a meritocracy that we all kind of have imprinted in us as Americans. Uh, The the Marxism is almost like makeup right now. It's superficial and people don't even get what they're saying and and so what they're saying they're they're caging their argument they're they're titling their argument with this phrase that nobody wants to be seen as against people nobody wants to be seen as racist nobody wants to be seen as exclusionary everybody you know we want to include everybody i want all americans to be included i don't want to be be racism against them i want everyone to have an equal shot at it right and and then i say but school is not about inclusivity 
diversity. That that's not They're what education is about. They're segregating right now. They're, They're yeah. neo segregating our children. Did you say neo segregating? Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah, that's what I'm they gonna, do. I'm going to use that again. You, it's all yours. That's good. That's what they're doing, though. I mean, we see it in some some schools. They actually, you know, separate the kids by color in the room. You know, you can go to a park or whatever at a certain hours just to definitely in the campuses. They have dorms and stuff that are just for, for a certain race. You, you go to ASU and you have the, the multicultural room where whites are not allowed in uh, there. As the state superintendent, so, of, uh, are you able to nudge what's going on at ASU? No. Okay. I will be on the state board of Bridgens, um, but because um, that's but what that we shit do, crazy. Yeah, yeah, we can. That's why I said we're gonna detox them when they get out of get out of there. That's that's the only thing I can do. But we do set the state the standards for the teachers' colleges in the state board of education. I will be one vote out of eleven. The other ten are appointed by the governor. So we will. I will. I will do what I can to definitely change the standards. But I'm gonna have a lot of resistance there. And honestly. Um, we need to concentrate so on what we can. you're going to focus on a battle you can, you yeah, can fight That right we can now. win and, and fight quickly yeah. and, and change okay. quickly. So Okay, so uh, the first was uh, school choice. Yes. Second was a cultural shift within yes. the uh, teaching establishment. The teaching, yeah. The administrative, and I mean, you know. Do you I, feel like administrators, have you talked to enough principals and administrators to know that are they pro-diversity craziness? Or, oh, yes. Or would they like that to kind of go away and they're sick of it also? Most do you have to understand all the professional development and classes that they go through that they have to go through. It's all tied to this. So they they're just indoctrinated. Yes, they are. Right. Yeah. All right. So and there's no changing it unless you tell them you're gonna lose this child right now. If we see it here, we're gonna we're gonna refer you. There's there is um a, a ballot measure that's coming. This hopefully if it's gonna pass the house, I went to speak about it in committee to have critical race theory on the ballot. For propositions, so if you're in Arizona, please watch for it. Yeah, uh, it just passed the the House and the Senate committee, so hopefully it will pass. But we're going to have it to where the people of Arizona can can vote on the proposition if we want or don't want critical race theory taught our children. Which here's the worst part: they just changed the name of it and they keep pushing this shit. Right. They right. go, "Oh, we don't do critical race theory." They yeah. just didn't buy the CRT package right. from the national organization, and they still do this batshit crazy yeah. stuff because we don't have CRT up in Cave Creek. But they have CRT for sure. Oh, yes, they do. Because I can hear it when I talk to the kids. Of course they do. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot who, who said it, but he said, you know, I can't define to you what critical race theory is, but I know when I see it. And it's just the way it is for us. You know, for us parents, we know something is wrong with that question that you just asked my kid. You know that, that something is wrong with that assignment. You know that something is wrong with that book that you're letting them read as an assignment that you're going to grade them on. Uh, we just know it. Are you comfortable talking about your religious background at all? Yeah. Uh, are you practicing? Yeah, I'm Jewish. Pra practicing Jewish? Yeah. Um, how how often do you practice? Not as good as I should be, but I go to the you know to the synagogue on high holidays and uh, you know light okay. the candles on Friday. My kids are in a Jewish religious Orthodox Jew, uh, school. Orthodox? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I I, I went. But you're all not in. Orthodox. No, but you but just when have them thought, in that formal school. Well, because the school was closed, um, and I fought through the district, so this was you know, and rejection is direction in life. I never <laughs> thought I would put them in an Orthodox you know yeah, yeah. Uh, school. I put them in there because the school was closed seven months. Paradise Valley didn't open while my kids were without a mask in person in that school. And since then, I'm just so happy because they come and talk about God every day. I am not maybe the most, you know, practicing Jew, you know, um, as far as everything that I'm supposed to do. There's a lot. But my connection with God is extremely strong. And when my kid comes home and speaks about God, I'm very, very happy. I so, would rather have my kids talk about God than a bunch of 
transgender propaganda they've been dumped Absolutely. on also um when my kids come home and they talk to me i feel like the argument of capitalism versus marxism has been met, had and been won and lost we know who the winners and losers are sure we do that argument's happened right. and there's nobody in the world who honestly thinks going to any utopian but your children are and if you're going to keep them in these indoctrination camps they will because the whole welfare you know movement that we've had uh since the 60s in this country you know they were putting all these you know minorities in blocks instead of giving them home ownership they purposely built these buildings yeah. you know to keep them renting to keep them on section eight they give them food stamps they're doing all these things purposely they told the women it's, it's better if you don't have a father we're going to give you more money it's just like the public school money it's yes. just like the public schools it's a one-size-fits-all draconian government bullshit. yeah well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to, that you think, uh, you know, we talked about a couple things. Do you have any, uh, do you have a third hot button item uh, that you'd like to affect change with if you are elected to office? Um, uh, I think it's nice if our kids going to read. So uh, academics is, is high on my list. Our kids are illiterate. The children in Arizona cannot read a grade level, 60% of them. It's sad. Right. Uh, the graduation rate is ridiculous. The college readiness is, is not even is not even close to what it's supposed to be. So we need to look at the standards. We need to break away from Common Core. We know we have Common Core, even though they call it something right. else right now. Right. Uh, we know it. We know everything. Maybe, we just need to have people who want to change what we know. So if I could succinctly wrap it up, and then you tell me if there's a fourth item. The first thing is school choice. The second thing is a cultural shift um, uh, within the teaching establishment. The third thing would be um, a re-grounding and refocusing back into reading, writing, and arithmetic. Uh, right. The what we would consider the classic core competencies right. of education. Yes, I, I and feel... parental parental rights. Obviously, it's just it's very high up there, and that all of this encompasses encompasses parental right because it's our right to have our kids educated, you know, free wherever the, the, we want them to be. And um, and and not in in front of Marxists that uh, trying to change their their hearts and minds. Is that the big three for you then? Those are the yes. three items. Okay, I feel like insanity takes place in darkness, and we've out of fear. And I was getting around to it, and our conversation trundled mm -hmm. off in a different direction. We've had a fear class. You know, we have a freedom class and a fear class in this mm -hmm. country, and the fear class. Uh, which dominates education. They're intellectual scaredy cats. We have people who are afraid of playing football because of maybe getting a knee injury right. who are in charge of the football game right now. Right. And so they put up all of these bulletproof barricades and they locked us out of classrooms because I used to be able to walk into my kid's classroom anytime, any day, any class. Oh, Mr. Medford, nice to see you. Do you want to sit in the back or do you need to see one of your kids? It was never a problem. Right. All of a sudden, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's happened over the last 10 years, really. When they put those glass barricades up and they made us have to ask permission to get in the school and see our kids, it's a big part of what's going on. And they always do this bullshit right. under the guise of safety. Right. Because it makes you seem like a disregarding lunatic. Right. But when they blocked us out of the classroom, they could now say this stuff with impunity. Because in a class of 30 kids, somebody's mom wants to be in class that day. Somebody's dad is off and would like to come sit in on. And they blocked us all out and they've been spouting this rubbish to our kids, unfettered. 
Mm-hmm. And and then they to get Trump, they shut the country down. Because that's really what happened. They would have never done this under a Democrat president. Right. They fought to shut the country down, and, and they didn't see the unintended consequences of the Zoom calls and the recording of the video and all of the crazy shit that we've heard the last two years. Right. It's re- I'm actually glad it happened. Because right. you know what? The kids of Europe from the greatest generation who missed a few years of school, it turned out okay. Right. The, the greatest generation, it, it still worked out. All right. It's going to work out. The kids have gotten a weird gap and we're, humans are amazing adapters. We'll fill in the gaps and make we'll make it all right. If we are there to make it right, we can't afford having anybody continuing the madness that we've been seeing with our but kids. But the madness wasn't from the two years of shutdown. The madness got exposed. Right. The madness has been going Decades. on, I think, for about 20 years. Uh-oh. It's been it's been creeping for a long time, but tw- you know, ten fifteen years ago, you could walk in your kid's classroom. You just can't as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. I think we've always been there, keeping some crazy from coming out of people's mouths, right. and and then I think they we've all been locked out, and they've just gone off the deep end. Yes, they have. Wonderful, smart people in the teaching class, working hard, who've gotten educated, and they've just arrived at all of the dumbest conclusions, and now they're going to teach them to our kids. It's shocking. But I will say there's a lot of teachers that I speak with, a lot of them that left the profession, so a lot of them couldn't take it anymore, and I think we're going to bring a lot of them back if we just bring sanity. I speak to so many of them around. There's some teachers that really just wanted to be good to the kids and teach them, and they just couldn't be in that environment anymore. It it makes me sick to my stomach because the vaccine chased away nurses, it chased away doctors, and it chased away soldiers, and it chased away first responders and police officers and everybody we have a shortage of right now. It chased them all away, and they were all from one viewpoint. I am free. You can't really tell me what to do. You're out of line. Oh, let's get rid of you and marginalize you, and they've done it. Millions of us. Well, listen, I wish you the best of luck. Who are you running against in the primary? Tom Horn and Michelle Udall. Okay. And uh, Michelle Udall is, uh, she is against school choice? Yes. She's a Republican. She's a Republican. Running in Arizona against school choice. Yes. So I would say down with her, and I hope (laughs) she sails on the F boat to nowhere. And then uh, Tom Horn, is he a pro-choice? or uh, I mean, He uh, says he is. He was a superintendent twice, and then the attorney general. He brought Common Core when he was a superintendent. So, and, you know, he's an older guy. I think it's 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 really time for us, and we need to beat Kathy Hoffman, who is younger, Democrat. Um, I think the mama bear um, for a Republican ticket is going to make a lot more sense this year, or otherwise I wouldn't run. So Okay. Uh, Where are you on the, like, uh, you know, and people are going to want to know this because, you know, conservatives like voting for conservatives. Where are you on the conservative liberal spectrum? Are you pretty centrist? Are you slightly right of center? Are you three quarters right? I'm I'm all right. Yeah. I mean, Second Amendment, you know, pro-life. Are you carrying right now? I have concealed, not right (laughs) sitting here. Okay, good. Don't forget I was a soldier. I know. But you, you you got a pistol with you? Not here, no. No, but I mean in your purse, like in your car. I mean, no. oh, you're not strapped at the moment. No. All right. Well, listen, um, it's been a pleasure having you come in. I appreciate you coming in and uh, getting the chance to sit here with a virtual stranger and get yeah, queried. Yeah, it's great. I think that... Um, we need to have the message out. We need to have, you know, again, please, and whoever listens, I mean, I know most of your listeners are probably Republican. and They may be from out of state. I'm just saying our kids need us like never before. This is not a joke anymore. 
Um, we cannot be political correct about this. These are our children. They have one shot at being a kid. We cannot have their childhood innocence rubbed right in front of our eyes yeah. with our money. It's right. just not, we can't do this anymore. So. While laughing at us, practically. <laughs> Pretty much, so, I mean. Um, let me, uh, let me, for everybody who's out there who's in Arizona and who may see this, when you guys jump on the ballot, when the, uh, uh, you know, in the primary and in the general election, there's a tendency to hit the top items. So we've got a midterm coming up, which are not as generally attended because the president isn't on the on the okay. ticket. When you show up to this, um, some people kind of vote down ballot. They just kind of go one way the whole way. As you're going through, state superintendent of public instruction is one of those categories that is very overlooked. Yes. Um, usually people are not very engaged in it. Usually people don't know who the candidates are, and they vote D or R. Right. So my advice to everybody is this is one of those ones you should have your nose poked into because... We have all these battles, and we, we, we win some and we lose some. But the war that can be won and lost is the teachers' unions and how our children are handled. That's the war. And that's we, we neglect. If we don't do this right now with state superintendents of education, heads of boards of schools, school boards, board of regents for colleges, if we don't get in their grill in 20 years... It will be Marxists guiding the Marxists. Yeah, that's why you don't have to have children to worry about this. This is the society we live in. These kids are going to be your representatives, your judges, right. your employers, your employees, the the people that your children are going to fall in love with, no matter how conservative you keep them at home. She's going to fall, your daughter is going to fall in love with somebody who's thinking com his worldview is completely opposite to yours. What are you going to do? You're not going to win that fight. You know right, that. So right. I'm not saying we all need to think alike. No, I'm just me saying not at all. I'm just saying let's not go you know, over the edge as we have, because this is just excessive. This you, is just you know, really excessive. I'm comfortable with the weight of my ideas. And and I'm comfortable if they're given a fair shake, most people are going to, right-minded people, uh, people who are fair-minded and, and critically reasoning folks, right. they'll get, I'm comfortable with their choice. Right. What I'm not comfortable with is um, indoctrinating our kids to one side and not teaching them the argument. You know, I learned when I was in school, my teachers were liberals as well. Uh, and I know they were liberal, but they were teaching, let's say, for instance, we're talking about abortion. They would be like, here's the, here's the discussion. Right. I'm not going to tell you my views, but you would have this group who says this and this group who says that. And what school of philosophy would this group be thinking from if this is their argument? It was really critical reasoning and thinking and um, trying to understand how people arrive at a position. Right. Now people are being told a position and then kids come out and they think they're educated. Yes. And and there, if you don't know both sides of the argument very well, and it wasn't something you th didn't think your way through, you haven't been educated. You've been indoctrinated. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, pleasure having you in again, and I uh, wish you the best of luck. The election's coming up when? Thank you. So the primary is August 2nd. Uh, please go on my website. It's uh, shirisapir.com, and my name is spelled S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-P-I-R. Again, it's S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-P-I-R. I have uh, a lot of great endorsements there. I have uh, Exposing Indoctrination, so you can see some of the books that are in our libraries and schools. So, I mean, it's a pretty good website. You might want to check it out. I think if you guys look at uh, a Republican running the state of Arizona who's not school choice is an effing rhino, and I wish them a, a cold place in hell. 
And and then uh, for any oldsters who've uh, been a part of getting us here, including Tom Horn, um, who I may meet and have in on the show, I I think he's got some, uh, you know, as uh, Ricky Ricardo would say, I think he's got some splaining to do. <laughs> you know, how can you serve a couple of terms and have been in the halls of power and how are, how have we arrived here on your watch? Right. That would be my question to him. Question. And I'd love to have him in and talk to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you get in. I hope you bring a breath of fresh air. I hope you, uh, you. Uh, have a mama bear battle and you win. And uh, uh I, I uh, wish you the very best. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks All right, sports fans, that's the show. Greg Medford's show from Phoenix, Arizona, here at our factories at Medford Knife and Tool. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us and getting your brain uh, worked out a little bit. Uh, go out, get involved. These scholastic choices we make, these nudges we put in the school system, if you're my age, will probably have more of a payoff than any vote you make for a president. It's very rare our presidential vote has big tides of change. It's happened recently, uh, but that's kind of the exception to the rule. You know, I've been voting for a long time and I haven't seen big sea changes of mo- uh, uh, in, from our national elections. But what I have seen is I have seen our children's brains and critical thinking disappear in a really short window of time. And I think if we could all find a way um, you know, I think most of us would agree. Yes, so I'd love my kid f- to agree with me and arrive at my position. But more importantly, I want them to be critically reasoning enough to uh, be able to weigh out the arguments and arrive at their own place and stand on their own two feet. I think most of us good, you know, most of us good parents were less for agreement and more for thoughtful and intelligent decision making on our kids parts, because we can't figure it all out for them we've got to be pushing for that we have to be demanding that and we have to be voting for it so it's the midterms get involved show up and vote